Thanks for listening to the Secular Hubcast, a podcast made possible through a grant from the American Humanist Association. This show is a project of the Secular Hub, a Denver nonprofit organization dedicated to promoting community, altruism, reason, and education across the diverse secular community of the Front Range region. For more information and to become a member, visit secularhub.org. Hello and welcome to the Secular Hubcast, the voice of the Secular Hub. My name is Jesse Gilbertson, and today we're going to be having a discussion with my good friend and yours, Mr. Paul Schilling. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for asking. Well, you're very welcome. It was. It's good to get back in the studio. It's been a while since it's just been you and I. I can't even remember the last time. Um, there was a period where we were, we were doing a bunch of these, but we've been trying a bunch of different things lately, so it's real good to be back behind the mic with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Paul, how's how's summer going for you? Uh, it's going well. I'm busy. It's, yeah. I don't know if everybody's having the same problem I am, but it seems like every day is just packed full okay. of tasks and to-dos. And I thought summer was like for relaxing and putting your feet up and going, a, going down the lazy river of life. Yeah, there's a fair amount of that. Okay. I mean, you know, I'm, that's part of my schedule is like, I actually have in my schedule relax that <laughs> pool or... <laughs> work on tan stuff yeah. like that yeah That's so it's part of it but it's it's just like it's all scheduled and everything's blocked in right now wow. so I'm, okay. I'm basically booked out yeah well i've been a little on the busy side i'm looking forward to dinner tonight i'm going to the because we're doing the colorado secular conference 2019 and the, the special special dinner with seth andrews and and uh is happening tonight i'll be going to that and then you and i will both be going to the full day conference tomorrow so I'm actually I'm looking forward to the conference being over because after that I have nothing else really scheduled on <laughs> for the rest of the summer. So cool. hopefully I can get back to being a little more lazy. Sure. Yeah. Have you been doing any traveling that you want to share? Talk about? Uh, so road trips excite me. I love road trips, and I just got back on, from one. So I am not going on a road trip, but I am going to Minnesota to visit a friend for a week. You're going on a flying trip. I'm flying. Yes. Okay. Yes. Can I do some fishing up there? I'm not going to fish. No? Nope. My Uh, friend is not a fisherman. He's he's, uh, visually impaired, legally blind, and fishing is not his thing. Okay. Well, fishing's not for everybody. No, it's not. You and I hang out together a lot and i've mm-hmm. never never fished with you once and there's a reason for that yeah reason no, or two. it's just not a it's not everybody's thing but it would be a fantastic way to spend time in minnesota <laughs> yep if i knew some fishermen there yeah. yeah yeah that's where i learned to fish was in minnesota a long time ago oh okay back in the 80s yeah um well i just got i wanted to tell you a little bit about my trip to santa fe um i went there specifically to see Meow Wolf, because mm-hmm. I'd been there before, but I didn't spend enough time there to, to really get what I wanted to out of the experience. So I went back this summer and spent all day there. Of course, on the previous episode of the podcast, we had one of the founders of Meow Wolf come to the hub and have a really special event and do a Q&A with our audience and members. And I got to sit down and record uh, a really fun interview with him. Uh, but this time, and there was nothing like that going on. It was just for fun. But I did find that there was a Freethinkers group down in Santa Fe who was holding their meeting at the Unitarian Church on mm. on Sunday morning, uh, and so I, I I cut back my Meow Wolf time just a little bit so I could go hang out with some Santa Fe atheists 
for for about an hour and a half and they were having a discussion about it was a political discussion and it was the meaning of high crimes and misdemeanors and so somebody had sort of read a few books on the constitution and kind of boned up and then it was just a bunch of it was it was really fun it's not my particular type of thing that i generally do in free thinker groups but they had they had formed a large group and they were talking the the person who had done the studying was sharing his best understanding of the you know what high crimes and misdemeanors were all about mm-hmm. and then he went into like the feasibility of impeaching because that's what it really came down to was in, impeaching 45 mm-hmm. and i don't know the group was really getting into it i, I was mostly listening because i was an outsider you know just visiting for the first time and these sure. these were all people from santa fe and some of them were like really stressed out about you know because <laughs> they they see an upcoming election they see no change in you know our protecting our the integrity of our election system sure and that kind of stuff and so some people were really stressed out some people were more calm uh, but it was just it was great to see this other free thinker group in santa fe and I, I was hoping to, to brag about the hub and maybe pass out some hubcast business cards, but I didn't really get the, it would have been inappropriate to kind of butt in, especially since I was, I got there a little early, but not early enough to really schmooze. Sure. And I had to leave a little early too. But, uh, I did get to say my piece. I did, I talked about reaching out to people who support Trump. I think that is like the most important thing. If you want to have any kind of effects, if you have Trump supporters in your life, you want to try to convert them. <laughs> I don't think converting is right. I think it's just uh, deconvert. Just, just understand. I think that's the best thing you can do. Like, why did you support Trump, and do you continue to support Trump? Mm-hmm. And talking to somebody who's like, who has really alien point of view, and just accepting it without having to like contradict them or fight about it, it doesn't mean that you have to be persuaded. But I, I think communication is pretty freaking essential. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably if you know some Trump voters, reach out to them. Um, I know a few and that I've stayed in contact with and some are chagrined about Trump as president and some are, are very much aren't. <laughs> uh, but I think a certain percentage of people are like, you can, you can maybe like increase their doubts or, or whatever, or get them to think a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I said it a lot more eloquently there. I don't remember. It was, it was one of those things like as I was leaving, I said all this stuff, uh, and it sounded pretty cool uh, <laughs> at the time. Uh, but uh yeah it, it reminded me of the hub in that if you talk to some of the people who were here before the hub was established uh, some of the founders and others who are around from that time they talk about meeting in unitarian churches and yeah. re- restaurants and bars so we're we're like more evolved than people in santa fe like as as a atheist culture sure. and and community we have taken the necessary next step of getting a place that we can we can use without having to share with other people or ask their indulgence to let us in there in the first place. And so we have to figure out what's the next stage in our development as a community. So I don't know. It's interesting to think about this kind of stuff. Traveling always puts me in kind of seeing other places and seeing other people puts me in that kind of a frame of mind of considering like kind of bigger picture sort of things. And it's, or at least I try to. Yeah. It's a good place to be too. I wish I knew some of those Trump, people that would i know quite a few trump voters but i they're all very dogmatic so when you say like hopefully you could get them to think that's really not a part of their strategy no have you tried to just listen to them or do you oh, even, yeah. do you even talk to them about it yeah no we talk about it and and uh, i listen um 
And, you know, depending on the person and the situation, sometimes I'll just uh, passively listen. Other times there'll be like a little bit of pushback or at least a question here and there to ask why or what or, you know, where, whatever. Fair enough. And um, the thing I'm hearing more than anything is just dogma. And it's it's not a... The, the times that I have like sort of brushed against that or pushed back a little, it's been... Um, Thinking isn't really high on their list of to-dos. Well, you got to be careful because you don't want to be accused of calling intelligent people stupid. People can just be, they can shut off their brain in a certain area. It's like, that's the whole point of dogma. Yeah. I can be be really smart and I can think of really complex ways to reinforce my incorrect belief or whatever. Yeah. They're not stupid. They're just stupid in one specific way. Okay. They have a blind spot. Right. I think it's important to mention that we all do. Like as the as the secular hub cast, you and I, Paul, we can't be like taking one side or the other because the secular hub has to maintain it can't take a side in a political situation like that. It has to be nonpartisan because sure. we want to be open for everybody. But Well, there are valid reasons to support Trump, but they didn't have any of those. <laughs> they had dogmatic reasons. And that's why I say they were Okay, interesting. Stupid. Got it, got it. Yeah, I have a friend who is kind of mixed on it, and uh, he's got a military background, and he uh, he wants to reduce tension and the likelihood of a war in Korea, and it's extremely important to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel really conflicted because Kim Jong-un is like a horrible dictator. Yeah. And does all this horrible shit, breaks all these international laws, and causes all sorts of problems. And our president recognized him and elevated him to the same status as the united states and so that freaks me out um but for my friends it it seems like because because a war in korea would be absolutely terrible like it would be devastating losses for america for korea both the koreas and for all the countries around there would be horrific Mm. and of course the, the military would pay people in the military would pay the highest price for that yeah so i can really understand my friend's point of view and it seems like a a more logical uh, reason for supporting Trump than, let's say, you know, fake news. Is, there's a witch hunt to destroy him or whatever. You know, yeah, there's, there's lots yeah. of dogmatic stuff. And I think that comes from the way our society segments news. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Trump brought us as close as we've been to war with North Korea. <laughs> in the early he, days the, the rocket the man that, days yeah he was the one that escalated and elevated all of that to a level where it seemed like it was sort of at a flashpoint yeah and pundits and, and other government types were very very nervous about north korea for a while it does it has seemed to wane a little bit which is comforting um sure it, to me doing I, photo ops in the dmz and all that good stuff so that's that's yeah well trump went to north korea yeah no i actually i actually approve of that i don't know why okay. Our, Why it took so our leaders weren't engaging with North Korea. Okay. I wasn't particularly fond of the rhetoric on Twitter <laughs> leading up to. You know, some people love it. Friendship. Some people love it. So, uh, but different... as far as national security is concerned, I don't think it's. If you want to start a fight with North Korea, that's one way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Calling him names. Paul? Yeah. I wanted to change the subject real quick. Okay. Now, if you would please rise, I will begin by swearing you in. Would you raise your right hand, please? Left hand. Paul, have you been listening to or experiencing the Mueller testimony? Yes, I did. Okay. Mm -hmm. How how much of it did you consume, if you don't mind me asking? 
Uh, about three and a half or four hours worth of live coverage, and then um, whoa, like direct mainline. Mm-hmm. And then about an hour and a half thereafter of sound bites, and um, maybe another two and a half or three hours of people analyzing and commenting on it. Wow, it sounds like you've really. It sounds like you've consumed a lot. Like you've been. That's. I mean, it was seven hours long, and you got yeah. since you were listening to other people's commentary and stuff for part of that, you probably heard some of it overlapping, but you, let's say yeah. you, you heard at least 60% of it. Probably. Yeah. I, it was sort of a marriage of convenience. I happened to be in the car and I had the time and it was NPR was bringing it live to us live. in time, in real time. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was able to download a podcast version of it, but it was the just chunked, just a big chunk of it. And so I was listening to it doing work and driving around as well. So I was able to get through almost the whole thing. Cool. And uh, so we just wanted to talk about it a little bit because we covered the Mueller report on the podcast. So we, I personally have a lot of, of interest in the Mueller report and everything that was inside of it. The, mm. the Russian interference with the election and all the crazy social media and hacking, hack and dump, you know, hacking the emails and releasing and all that stuff that they yeah. did to, to screw with our election and our democracy. And, uh, of course, then, all the the stuff with Trump interfering in the and meddling and firing Jim Comey and trying to get all these people to to <laughs> interfere. So basically, Volume One and Volume Two of the Mueller report, all the information in there was pretty interesting stuff, and that's what this testimony was all about. Is Mueller, who was the head of the Mueller report, obviously, and his organization put it together. His special counsel office put it together, and he he submitted it to to the Attorney General, who then redacted it for a while and then released it to us to we the people of the United States and the world so just to go over it a little bit it took place today is the 26th of July so yesterday was the day of the testimony mm-hmm. Mueller sat before two different committees the House Judiciary Committee early like earlier in the morning and then the House Intelligence Committee later mm-hmm. um, and it was what did you think of because you, if you actually watched it instead of watching commentary, you would have seen the interactions, but then you would have seen the the Congress people asking their questions and making their points and doing their stuff, and then Mueller dodging and um, you know not answering, but then answering a lot of questions too, and just playing a playing a game. So, what was your impression? I mean, I thought the Democrats started off strong. Their questioning was more direct, especially in the beginning. And they actually said, you know, is Trump indictable? And Mueller said, yes. And is this offense something that, we, you know, is is his attitude towards the Russian involvement something that we shouldn't be, that we should be worried about it, that we shouldn't see in a president? And Mueller said, yes. You know, so there was a lot of direct questions in the beginning, especially. But I think it really petered out later on. And some of the Democrats even sort of wasted time and didn't yeah. ask any questions. It was kind of reminiscent of the Facebook Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> interviews where I some of the senators didn't even know what Facebook was. It was Got clear it. that they had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I, th- I didn't think there was anything quite like that on this one, but there were there were those who were unskilled in the art of questioning. Yes. Um, I thought uh, Robert, the way Robert Mueller conducted himself was very interesting because over and over he would force people to cite his report. He, I, I was trying to picture myself being in his shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a place he really didn't want to be. He had to get subpoenaed before he would appear. And he made a statement beforehand that he was just going to stick to the report. He wasn't going to do, he wasn't yeah. going to do anything else. And I think he did a really good job. And he forced people to <clears throat> cite the report and he 
you know, when Congress people would bring him up, he wouldn't read it. He would like, he wasn't prepared to be like their puppet in any way. He would make them read it and then he would like concur with it once it was cited. And there was just a lot of stuff that he just refused to talk about to even like, really go into it all. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't think there was really a great strategy on the Republicans or the Democrat side because they did this weird thing where they would, a committee person would get recognized by the chairman and they would have five minutes to say whatever they would want to. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, and then it would go from the Democrats first because they had the majority and then it would go to a Republican in the back and then Republican and a Democrat in the back. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it would just went on like that. And so it was like really schizophrenic because the Democrats would be like, okay, we're going to talk about this instance of witness tampering for instance you know from yeah, from volume from two yeah. yeah the very next person the next congressperson who would start ask, asking questions like a lot of them were doing personal attacks against Mueller, and yeah. they were they were trying to undermine the steel dossier saying like the special counsel investigation should never have begun in the first place there was a lot of people who were lifting up attorney general Barr and saying that it's good that he's He's doing what he's doing because, of, you know, if you attack the foundation of the investigation, you delegitimize the results of the investigation. Right. And to your point, there were just some some of the representatives who were asking these questions were just very unskilled in the art of just communicating and getting questions, getting answers to questions. And I think that's because they all, you know, they all had their agendas. Mueller was like on the defensive very much because he's he's worried about saying something incorrect or trying to rely on his memory and getting something wrong. Right. And then it, then it looks like he's a liar. Right. And of course, some of the representatives are doing like, it's like they've ambushed him. They have certain questions that they know Mueller's not going to be prepared for. And they try to ask him about stuff that he can't possibly know about or can't possibly have prepared for. Yeah. And so he was just like, no, I'm not going to answer that. No, I can't answer that. So, I think a lot of these re representatives have law degrees, too, which makes it doubly confusing as to why they can't ask a decent question. It, maybe when you're an incompetent lawyer, the only place for you to go is politics. Sure, and the skills of getting elected are way different than the skills you need in a courtroom to persuade a jury. Sure. But yeah, I just found the dis the just disjointed nature of the questioning confusing, and, and I can only imagine how it was for Mueller, because it was like a seesaw back and forth. And he's trying to like follow along in the report and he's trying to like cover his own butt and he's trying to remember like, can I not talk about this because it's an ongoing this, investigation. this thing or that thing yeah. and it's just like, what a mess. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, add about Mueller's behavior? Uh, no, I think the big takeaway from Mueller was that he didn't want to be there. He already did all <laughs> this work and published the report Yeah, and... I kind of understand where he's coming from. It seemed like a waste of time to me. Yeah, I would never want to go in front of Congress and have to answer those kind of questions. That would suck. Well, I just, you know, he already did. Yeah. You know, read the report. I don't, I don't think half of those congressmen read it. Yeah. So potentially, you know, I, I don't know. I do think that there was one point to this whole thing and, and the Democrats got what they were looking for. So that was good. What was that? Just that uh, Trump is an indictable person. That he has done things that are indictable after his presidency. Okay, yeah, I think... Therefore, he's probably impeachable. If someone was willing to watch and listen to the whole Mueller report and believe Mueller, obviously there's a, there's a... 
there's definitely two narratives. There's the democratic point of view that there's some kind of underlying crime going on. And all the lies that came up because, you know, Cohen lied and he's in jail now and they're, Manafort lied. That's what he's going to jail for. There's all these people who lied. Mm-hmm. And got Bijan Kion, who's one of the early guys, he just got, he hasn't been sentenced yet, but he just got convicted like last week. Mm-hmm. So, they, but it was all for like lying or hiding, hiding shit. You know what I mean? It wasn't for doing something illegal for, with the Russians. You know, it wasn't hacking or, or there was no, there was not enough evidence of compromise. There's a lot of supporting evidence without, you know, enough of the evidence rising to the point where charges can be brought or a prosecution can be made so a lot of evidence but not none of it's reached the right threshold to do to to prove conspiracy between russia and the trump campaign right that was the big that was the big letdown of the Mueller report yeah and then there's the second part which is like the new hope which is if there was no if nothing if no crimes were committed in the first place why did trump's try so hard to obstruct like over and over why did he 10 or 11 different ways so that was like the hope of the democrats and the republicans point of view is just attack the veracity or the validity of the investigation totally and try to undermine it rather than rely on what the report said to try and make trump look good or something like that i don't know it was it was kind of a bummer because Mueller's big point was our system of government our way of life is under attack from russia yeah it's happening right now and it's going to continue happening and other countries are developing the capabilities to do what Russia did and we're not doing anything to respond. And there was less discussion of that. So we'll see if like our election in 2020 is coming up pretty quick. I don't know. Did, did that reach you? I mean, did that affect you, Paul? It's a topic for another discussion as far as between Congress and Mueller or, or whoever else they want to talk to. I think this, the focus of this, hearing was the obstruction because that's that's what has teeth we have enough evidence to show that he obstructed justice okay and he committed indictable offenses okay and that he i mean i don't know if the will of the government will be to bring him to justice after he serves his term or terms um or if they're going to impeach i don't know well we'll Um, see even if they do impeach he's he's not going to leave office and he will probably still be reelected. so or at least he'll he'll try to be reelected. Make, and if he does get reelected, attempt. he's not gonna leave office. Yeah, he definitely was impeached. not. So, I mean, I I don't know. I saw the I saw the the hearing was more of a. We need somebody to go on record and say that Trump did something illegal that we can indict him for, and that was really the key because the Russian influence is sort of twofold. It's one thing to put out propaganda, and it's another thing for people reading it to believe it, and. I am under the impression that if you're of the type that cannot understand the difference between supported information and unsupported just hearsay nonsense, then, yeah, you're just ready to be manipulated. And just because another country did that, I mean, I don't want other countries to do that. I don't know what the implications are to keep other countries from publishing on Facebook or publishing on YouTube or whatever. But I think the American people have a lot of weight on their shoulders we have to get smarter we're the ones that we're the ones that changed our minds on who we were going to vote for or were persuaded by obvious ridiculous pizzagate like ploys (laughs) sure well to sway our our attention away from the actual issues and towards 
some nonsensical notion that there, there's a child sex trafficking. Well, in 2016, this or that or well, whatever. In, in 2016, that was like their first real attempt, as far as we know, on such a large scale to influence. They've had four years to like look back and and review their actions and see what worked and see what didn't and come up with new plans. So, sure, 2020 might be something altogether new. And as far as we know, like uh, the pre- president hasn't even really acknowledged that it ever really happened. Right. He never really, he, he said he, he said he took Trump's or he said he believed Putin over our, yeah, our, our, our intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. And so like, there's no leadership as a nation on the subject of standing up to outside interference in our elections. So nothing's going to change on that. That's why I think it's such a touchy subject though, because what can you do? We're talking about a mass education campaign. Yeah, it's, it's to, t- to try and teach people the difference between Pizzagate and an actual sex trafficking ring. So, on the one hand, you've got people who we have a, a a sex abuse, child abuse scandal going on in the Catholic Church, and that doesn't seem to change a lot of Catholics' minds. Right, and then you've got fake sex abuse scandals going on in Pizzagate, and you've got people walking into pizza establishments with AK-40 or whatever he had, an M-16 or whatever, firing shots into the wall, demanding to have the children in the basement released. Right. And there's no basement. There's, yeah. So, I mean, to me, it's it's like... It's a fun how, story. How are we going to stop Russia from interfering? Uh, well, we're not going to shut down these these media outlets, Twitter and, and Facebook of course and YouTube. Not, no. And we can't control them because they're private. So, they you know whatever they're going to do whatever they're going to do they're a corporation their object and the reason they exist is to maximize shareholder profits yeah they're they're not you know if they can help democracy that might be a nice second a nice additional thing that they can say you know using their marketing or whatever this to me is just a classic overreach of government there's nothing government's going to do to educate the population to tell the difference between pizzagate and the catholic scandal well i know you found you you said that you found the testimony uh, interesting and you believe that yeah. it, you believe that it supports the idea that Trump committed sufficient obstruction offenses that he could be liable to impeachment or he should he he's crossed that threshold I mean that's what the report stated yes yeah and that's what Mueller verified in his testimony that right Trump committed offenses that are he didn't say impeachable because that's not his right, right, right. that's not his world but um he did say indictable thank you yeah indictable and and yet that's clearly not going to happen the politicians who are asking the questions were coming from two different uh, points of view. And the news media coverage is going to have two different stories to tell. And so people who are consuming have their choice of what, what did Mueller's testimony before Congress really mean? You, you know, we have so much media and uh, different flavors of media and different motivations behind the, the content creators that you can, yeah. you can really pick and choose and tell a different story. So for me, for me, I, I I found the Mueller testimony interesting, but it seemed like it was more political theater. It was an opportunity for politicians to get up to try and make Mueller say what they want him to say. <laughs> and Mueller's like dodging and deflecting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe it'll reinforce a, f- a few people who are running for president on the Democratic side were asking questions. You know, it'll be a good chance for them to like make political ads or. Sure. You yeah. know, get reelected back home. That there kind are of, sound that bites kind of stuff. there that you could pull out and definitely use. Yeah, definitely. So the problem is, is we've got a you know a memo or whatever the the report filled with facts, 
and conclusions about what Trump did and what the potential consequences of those actions could be. And you've got people that are saying basically, well, that's not that that's fake. Fair enough. So you've got people looking at facts saying they're not facts. <laughs> right. And that's the that's the problem. And basic motivated reason. Nothing's going to stop any of that for the next election cycle. No, absolutely not. Absolutely no, not. We're not going to get we a need mass to, education. We need to gird our loins to prepare for that. All that stuff that's going to hit us in the election, and be prepared to take it, and just keep talking reason, talk, talking facts, and trying to, yeah. I don't know, make some kind of progress. Just cool. talk, talk more. Like right, the the solution to to bad communication is not to shut down the bad communication. It's good communication, like better communication. Yeah, I agree. So mm -hmm. we'll just try to do that. So to, just to kind of bring it to a close, mm -hmm. we should just acknowledge that it was it was quite an interesting piece of, of television, or from for me, it was quite an interesting piece of podcastery mm -hmm. uh, to listen to. And we should acknowledge that it was probably stressful. It was probably a really bad day for Robert Mueller, but uh, he's an interesting guy, and he's really good at BSing. Which is what you need to do, whether you're, you know, ah, whatever. So let's just leave it to Robert Mueller. Take it away. And where are you reading from on that? I get a, uh, send you the report for uh, uh, where that is stated. Um, I am not certain of the the person who uh, originally uh, uh, copied that quote. Uh, I refer you to the uh, report for that. I'd have to pass on that. Uh, well, I'm not going to uh, speculate. I'm Just, not going to get into that. That's the internal deliberations of the Justice Department. That's outside my purview. Outside my purview. No. I take your question. I cannot remember. Well, I, have, uh, I tell you, this is still outside my purview. All right. That's yeah, no problem. We'll, do see. You think that, we'll see how it goes. Do you think that that dodging was a, a fault or evidence that Mueller has the kind of integrity that we need for somebody to answer these questions? Uh, I think he was being extremely careful. Uh, it, it could very easily be uh, interpreted as him being evasive to cover up facts and to lie and to forward the witch hunt conspiracy. I could see how it could be interpreted that way, but I think he was just being careful. Yeah. Like exceedingly careful. I mean, this guy, you know, he's, he doesn't have the rank of Trump or Vladimir Putin or whatever, but he's, he's on that level. Like he's playing that game. Yeah. Former FBI director, head of the special counsel. Mm -hmm. Like he's, he's playing in the top level of like world politics and stuff and, and yeah. law and intelligence and all that stuff. So he's a very careful guy and, uh, it seems like he proceeds carefully and he speaks carefully. Yeah. And sometimes I can, uh, whatever. Yeah. I don't really see his dodging as a fault. No, I, 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 I see it as, like he said, it's outside the purview of what he, he didn't, he didn't investigate that. He's so just, that he, he was asked a question that doesn't pertain to what he knows and what he can support with facts. Yeah. So he said, I, I can't do that. I, yeah. Or He's a crusty old guy who's not going to put up with people's crap. Yeah. That's what it seemed like. Or he was protecting existing investigations, which I agree with. All right. There's been some there have been some developments in some other stories we talked about, Paul. Mm -hmm. I don't follow just like you said that you don't follow all the stories, Paul. I feel you. Uh, mm -hmm. Who? How could you possibly? You'd spend your life doing nothing else, and you still wouldn't be able to do it. Right. But I've definitely been interested in some of the other stories we talked about. Specifically, we talked about Jeffrey Epstein and Alex Acosta. Now, Jeffrey Epstein was a hedge fund hedge fund guy, really rich, and he had a he had residences all around. 
like Palm Beach, Florida, New York, and in the Caribbean. He had his own island, actually. He was just that freaking rich. And there's evidence and lots of testimony that he's molested many, many young girls, many underage girls for years, hundreds of them. I, I don't know that there's evidence, but there's definitely accusations at this point, to the point where he's, no, actually, he's in jail. Yes, um, there, there's photographic evidence. He had a safe. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah, there was a raid on his New York place. Ah, okay. And they, there was a safe with pictures of underage, underage, there was child porn under, you know. Okay. And there was stuff that he had made, like his photographs of his girls, but I don't, I, anyway, I don't, I obviously haven't seen them and they didn't, sure. they didn't release that level of detail. No. Uh, because it's child porn. Ah. So yeah, there's been a lot of, ad, um, advancements in the case. All right. So I have an article I want to share something from, it's from CNN.com from 7 July. So just a couple of weeks ago, quote, billionaire Jeffrey Epstein arrested and accused of sex trafficking minors, sources say. Florida-based billionaire Jeffrey Epstein has been indicted on new charges relating to alleged sex crimes involving minors, law enforcement sources told CNN on Saturday. Epstein faces charges brought by U.S. prosecutors in Manhattan after previously evading similar charges when he secured a non-prosecution deal with federal prosecutors in Miami. The charges, contained in a sealed indictment, involve alleged sex trafficking crimes committed between 2002 and 2005, according to law enforcement sources. Both indictments allege that the crimes occurred in both New York and Palm Beach, Florida. In November, the Miami Herald reported that when Labor Secretary Alexander Acosta was a U.S. attorney in Florida, he gave Epstein the deal of a lifetime in a sweeping new review of the politically connected billionaire's case. Acosta had made an agreement with Epstein to avoid major repercussions, even though a federal investigation had indicted 36 underage victims. The agreement essentially shut down an ongoing FBI probe and further granted immunity to any potential co-conspirators in the case. So, Paul, this is a, this is a big turnaround because... Jeffrey Epstein has been in the news a lot lately, especially after the Miami Herald had put out a huge piece um, relating the stories that, of women that they had investigated who were accusing Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. And they, they did this huge explosive investigation. And now we see Jeffrey Epstein getting arrested, uh, get, or, yeah, getting arrested, being held because he's a huge flight risk and his place got raided. Uh, and he is facing, I believe, a maximum of 45 year sentence for if he gets convicted of what he's been arrested for. Right. So this, this story for me is interesting on a few different levels. Obviously we have this really powerful, very rich guy abusing lots of girls and getting away with it for a long, long time. Um, using his influence, his political connections and his money probably. And I don't know all the ways he did it, but you know, bribing women, uh, compelling them to support, to sign non-disclosure agreements, all kinds of weird stuff. And then we have Alex Acosta, who's one of President Trump's secretaries, you know, he's cabinet level. So mm -hmm. one of the most powerful guys in the nation, less than or about a decade before, had cut this crazy non-prosecution deal. That, you know, he was one of the ones who was protecting this child predator. Mm -hmm. First of all, like the Trump administration, they never do background checks. So they didn't find this out in the first place. And once it came out, he served for, for months from November until just recently when he finally resigned. Um, he, he continued to serve in the Trump administration. So I'm going to follow that up with one more story real quick. As of July 12th, 2019, uh, we have the text for, for Secretary Acosta's resignation letter. And I'm not going to read it here 
I will say he does use the quotes, make America great again in his resignation letter. And, uh, he basically, so he, he basically finally resigned. There was too much negative press pressure. It was making the president and his administration look too bad. Um, he split in comments that Trump made publicly. He continued to support him. He, in a press conference on Twitter, uh, he supported him and said that he would have kept him on, but Acosta voluntarily resigns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it took, it took this guy that he protected 10 years ago getting arrested and taking over, uh, the news media and the story for a while for that to happen. So mm-hmm. what does it say to you that it took that much pressure to, to get him out? Do you even think it was appropriate for him to leave? I, well, I think one thing I would say first is that these are allegations. So he hasn't been convicted yet. Okay. So fair point. There is evidence to support these allegations, but we don't know for sure yet if Epstein was a sex trafficker or if he was in fact a child pornographer. At least according to the courts, we don't know yet. Okay. Um, good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. No, I just, I think that's important to remember. Um, I mean, he's going to be innocent until proven guilty. Um, and so I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that. Um, I'm waiting for this story to develop before any definitive statements are made about him. And your question is, should I, do I think that Acosta should have resigned or was it appropriate yeah. for him to resign? Sure. I think, I think without being called to resign, it's a little bit odd that he did. And if this, if it happens to be coincidence that he did so right when Epstein was being charged, that's a pretty big coincidence, especially given the, their, their past. Um, hold on, actually. Do I think he should have resigned? No, just, I just want to speak to that real quick because yeah, I, I have the perfect quote. Sure. Yeah. So just quoting from his resignation letter, uh, Acosta said to Trump, quote, it has meant so much to me that you offered your steadfast support in our private discussions and in your public remarks. That support notwithstanding, I agreed to serve so that I could implement your agenda. Your agenda, putting the American people first, must avoid any distractions. A cabinet position is a temporary trust. I must set aside a part of me that wants to continue my service. Therefore, I am offering and wish for you to accept my resignation as United States Secretary of Labor, effective one week from today, mm-hmm. which was 19 July, a few days ago. Yeah. So, just wanted to, to your point, uh, he he said it specifically. It was because of how much of a distraction all this stuff with Alex Acosta's connection to this this guy who is arrested for these, you know, accused of these really vile crimes. Yeah, I mean, do I think he should? Do I think it, he had a good reason to resign? I, I mean, yes, I think that if he's involved in this. And it sounds like he is. I don't know to what degree, but he was definitely involved in Epstein's initial allegation controversy. Yeah. And cut him a deal. If he's involved in this, he's probably he, he can't he can't perform the services that are needed at his position in on the cabinet. So he has to go and and get all his lawyers together and figure out how he's gonna get out of this mess. Okay. I would suspect. <laughs> um, do I think he should resign? Um I mean, I think most of, if not all, of Trump's appointees and cabinet members, including Trump himself, should resign. I, I, I think they're pretty incompetent and they've shown themselves to be so. Yes, sir. Okay. So, you know, I would be happy if all of them resigned. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I'd just like to get people in there that actually know what they're doing. Right. Controversial statement there, Paul. Um, no, I, I think I'm pretty much with you. Uh, uh, personally, 
Okay, so Epstein get got arrested. He's going to get his day in court, and hopefully the court does a good job being able to figure out truth from truth from lies, and justice will be done, I hope. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of a strange week in the news because Epstein was not the only gentleman connected with the Trump, and specifically the Trump campaign for president, mm-hmm. who was arrested this week on charges of abusing children. Have you ever heard of a man called George Nader? Um, yeah, I've heard of him. He was referenced a bunch of times in the Mueller report, mm-hmm. uh, the first, volume one of the Mueller report that was investigating the connections. Yes. And uh, he was he was arrested a little bit more than a month ago when he came into the United States. So I'm going to read, uh, again, this one happens to be from CNN. Okay. George R.F. Nader, who was a key witness in special counsel Robert Mueller's Russia investigation, was arrested on child pornography charges Monday in New York. Nader was arrested upon arrival at John F. Kennedy International Airport for, quote, transporting visual depictions of minors engaged in sexually explicit conduct, end quote. He previously pleaded guilty to the same charge in 1991. From later in the article, the Mueller report mentions Nader in nearly four dozen footnotes, including references to his interviews with special counsel investigators and other materials. Investigators seized electronic devices from George Nader on January 17, 2018, according to the Justice Department. CNN previously reported that Nader was questioned by the FBI on that date, the first of several sessions with investigators from Mueller's office. The warrants were issued in relation to, quote, a matter unrelated to child pornography, end quote, according to the FBI. Nader helped the Mueller investigation by providing multiple interviews and testifying before the grand jury. The Mueller report said that all but one of his interviews were conducted under a proffer agreement where he could provide information with some legal protection. He is cited extensively in the portions of the report about the Seychelles meeting in between Trump supporter Eric Prince and a Russian banker with close ties to Russian President Vladimir Putin. His testimony about his role in the secret January 2017 liaison undercut Prince's claims that the meeting was a random encounter and that it was not coordinated with anyone from the Trump transition. I also used Al Jazeera as a source. Do you ever, you ever look at Al Jazeera, Paul? Yeah. It's, yeah. Pre- it's pretty fun. They have a pretty good news channel. Yeah, because they have... I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna share a little bit from uh from a, an article from aljazeera.com from 6 April 2018 so a little bit older George Nader the advisor to United Arab Emirates Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed Al Nayan commonly called MBZ has reportedly played an important role in shaping U.S. policy in the Middle East for decades. Nader has been described as a shadowy figure who travels extensively throughout the Middle East. Nader has reportedly testified to a grand jury in the Mueller investigation that he was present at a January 2017 meeting in the Seychelles between officials from the UAE, Russia, and Eric Prince, billionaire founder of mercenary firm Blackwater. Okay, so from a little further down in the article, MBZ's former advisor, that's just a clever way of saying George Nader, MBZ's former advisor has a dark history of child abuse. Nader has used his international visits to import child pornography since at least 1985, according to court testimony from one of his defense attorneys. He pled guilty to child pornography charges in 1991 and has been convicted of committing sex acts with 10 underage boys in Europe. Anyway, I'm going to go on. I'm just going to, I'm going to summarize a little bit here. So uh, this guy Nader, he's, he's a globetrotter. He has, he does a lot of weird stuff. It seems yeah. Including, he, he did some stuff for the Trump. Okay, I remember where I'm at now. Nader was convicted in 2003 on 10 counts of abusing underage boys and sentenced to one year in prison in the Czech capital, Prague. 
the Associated Press reports reported. A Czech court official said the crimes were committed between 1999 and 2003 and described the charges as moral corruption of minors, sex abuse, and impairing morals. It is unknown how much time Nader spent in prison. He was expelled from the Czech Republic after his investigation. But it's Well, Nader's connected to Epstein. He is not. He's connected to Trump. Yeah. Epstein is connected to Trump through his labor secretary, Alex Acosta, sure. who just resigned. Well, and Trump and Epstein are on film. In the past. Talking, yeah. hanging out, stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. So Nader well. is connected to Trump. He worked in the, the campaign, uh, and it's really shadowy and unclear, but he testified to the Mueller campaign that he helped shut, set up sort of back deal communication channels for the Trump campaign. With whom? With members of the government of the United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. I keep saying UAE. That's United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Russia mm-hmm. and Eric Prince. Okay. Who was the founder of Blackwater and the brother of our education secretary, Betsy DeVos. Oh, good. Yeah. So there's a connection. There's a funny connection there. Um, so I just find it's, I, I don't know. I wanted to point out the, I'm not quite sure where I'm trying to go with this. We're, we're almost there, Paul. I know. No, it's good. Help me get over the hump. I think we, uh, it's, we got over a little hump there. There's this great, there's this crazy connection between the Trump administration who employs these people mm-hmm. uh, or who have these connections to people who protect abusers. Sure. And they're both, you know, they both happen to be arrested the same or like he, um, it's all coming to light at the same yeah, time. Yeah. It's all, within a matter of a few weeks. You, yeah. you got these guys getting arrested. Epstein. And well, it Nader. sounds like Nader has a past. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. He, it's been known for a long period of time that he's got. Yeah. Since 1984, he was arrested and had to go to trial. Sexual it got, it got, issues. it got thrown, it got thrown out on a technicality. He had, he had porn delivered to his business. Sure. Um, and he, it got thrown out on a technicality, even though his defense lawyer apparently come, admitted to it and he apparently admitted to possessing a larger thing with which the porn was inside of so anyway it got thrown out on a technicality on 1991 there was a guilty plea mm-hmm. apparently he served time in czech prison for abusing children in that country in the czech republic mm-hmm. uh, and now he got arrested in jfk just this last month for having an, an iphone i believe it's an iphone with like with Child porn, okay. um, featuring underage under underage boys. Okay. Um. So I, I mean, do you think it's just come into light? Do you think these like child abusers? I mean, they've been doing their thing for a while. Yeah. Why are they getting arrested now? Is it a, is it a coincidence? Is it is it a change in culture? Is it an attack on the Trump administration indirectly? Do you care to to weigh into those or to to wade into those waters? I mean, I don't know how much I can say intelligently. I think it's interesting that Nader has probably been connected to multiple presidents in the past. I don't think he is somebody who is just connected to Trump. Yeah, same with same with Epstein. Same with Epstein. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Clinton specifically was was flew around on Epstein's plane. Yeah, and Nader's a player in the Middle East and has been for decades. So he's if he's connected, and it sounds like he is. Um, Trump isn't the only person that to be president during Nader's, you know, decades long career. Yeah, Shenan- career or, or yeah, shenanigans in the Middle East and, and getting information and delivering information and traveling sure. and doing all the things that he's been doing. Um I just I think I think now 
to sort of answer your question, it seems like uh, the, that Congress and they seem to be sort of the impetus of this now have the political will to start investigating these things. Congress? Because uh, well, they're the push on. on I don't know. Is both of those were coming from one was Manhattan, the other one was so- or sorry, Southern District of New York. Uh, yeah, is I involved mean, in both of them. Well, Southern District is Congress, right? It's a district representative. No, 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 no. The the prosecutor, the federal prosecutor of the Southern District of New York, um, was involved in both of them. Okay, because because um, Epstein has a house in New York, mm-hmm. and Nader had he had came into JFK. Um, so they nabbed him at that point in time. Okay. Um, well, like I said, I don't know if I can say much intelligently on it. I don't yeah. know why it's all happening now, but it does seem to be that there is a will all of a sudden to mm. try and get anybody who might be connected to Trump that and has other shady slash sex charges against them as we all know trump was accused um but so was bill clinton right um and i think it's interesting one of the things i don't want to lose sight of is i don't want the democrats and liberals in general to to turn a blind eye to the connections these epstein and nader had to former presidents who we maybe think fondly of as democrats right (laughs) Um, i'm not a democrat i'm an independent Let's well, keep that in mind. That's fine. I'm just saying presidents that we maybe are more fond of than George W. and Trump <laughs> um, that were Democrats. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, you yeah. know, I, I don't think these guys are clean. Um, and I don't, I, I'm, I'm interested to see where this leads as far as, um, I mean, like I said earlier, the system's burning down, right? We, well, we're I, burning it all down. And so some of the people that are going to go with it are going to be people that we would normally defend like Bill Clinton. Fair enough. I would say that I appreciate the fact of taking out child predators, like getting them away from children so they can't hurt any, anyone yeah. else. And it seems to be a, a strange, um, uh, you know, like the principle, if you like squeeze a balloon, all the air rushes to the other part of the balloon, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't squeeze it all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in our system, there's much less of a political cost for lying, like telling obvious falsehoods, but there seems to be more, uh, more of a likelihood that you're going to get captured and arrested if you're a child predator. Or you might get elected in Alabama. Or to no Roy Moore did the get president. Elected. You're talking about Roy Moore. Yeah, he was. He ran for Senate. He got really close, but he did lose. We got to we got to give it to Alabama for not electing Roy Moore. Thank you, Alabama. Yeah, that's the last time I'll ever say that. Well, he he was the candidate for the Republicans. He was. So he was. He was elected to candidacy. I guess. Right. He, he, he was nominated. I think if you're looking for a, a team that is anti-sexual predator. And you're a Republican, then you're on the wrong. That <laughs> doesn't seem to be the theme of their of their candidacy <laughs> as of late. Okay, you're drawing some lines. You're drawing some lines between dots. I'll, I'll give you that, Paul. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I'm glad that these people are being brought to justice, and to the extent that they are guilty, great. Yeah, I want them to be put in jail or, or whatever. Yeah. I want them to be rehabilitated um, after they get their trial. Because yeah, it's if, like if they're in fact guilty, then I want them to. Enter the rehabilitation process, right, and and be taken off the streets, and especially protecting future victims and getting some some kind of justice or hopefully some closure for past victims. 
Well, and to the degree to which Trump or Clinton or anybody in our system is associated with or had something to do with these charges. Um, or the underlying I, crimes. Yeah, I want them to go down too. I want them to see justice as well. I agree. Start the rehabilitation process. Agreed. Yeah. I can definitely stand by you on that, Paul. Well, thank you very much for engaging in this discussion with me. Thank you for continuing to pay attention to the, to the news. Sure. It is easy. It's very easy to get distracted and discouraged and not pay attention. So thanks very much. Uh, anything you want to leave us with, Paul? Um, yeah, just a little bit um, in case we need it for to fill time. I don't know where we're at right now. We're I, at about 50 minutes. Yeah, I think we're going to be good. Or no, we're at about an hour and 10. All right. If you think we have enough, then we're, we're probably I'm, fine. I'm pretty happy, yeah. Okay. Well, Paul, uh, I'll see you down at the hub. Are you planning to do anything? I know you're gonna you're gonna go away for a little while. Yeah, but anything at thirty first. Anything that you're looking forward to at the hub? Uh, Coffee and community this Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna be hopefully there for that. I hopefully, may not be. Uh, my my schedule is pretty packed right now. So understood. It's yeah. gonna be hard to break free. I'm gonna be canoeing. It's summer. There's lots of fun things to do. So yeah, if you're not canoeing, you should go down to the hub. Um, I guess that's all I have to say. Do you need my canoe? No, I'm I'm going with another a number another friend that I met at the hub, a guy named Jonathan. He's got a canoe and he's motivated to use it. So cool. We're gonna hit the stream nice and early Sunday morning. Nice. All right. Well, thank you very much, Paul, and thank you, folks at home, for listening. Um, send me any emails if you have any feedback. Podcast at secularhub.org. Podcast at secularhub.org. I have to memorize that. Yeah, we need feedback you, from you guys. We need you guys to send us information. We want to know what you want to hear about. So yeah, even our if you, listeners are important you, to us. Did you make it to the end of the podcast? Just send me an email. I made it. We're there. I'm there. Yeah, or if you want to hear specific things talked about, send those. <laughs> or if you don't we like something or like something, send that too. We'll take requests, complaints, and everything. Okay, thank you, Paul. All right, thanks, Jesse. Cut. Okay.